Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Alright, welcome to Spooky Psychology. My name is Megan Sewin, I guess. I got married. Since she got married. I got married since the last episode, so not legally, but colloquially, Megan Sewin, the uh, legal part of that will be greatly slowed down by everything being shut down, but you know. Sure. Um, so I am Lauren Malika, um, and this is Spooky Psychology. Thank you all for tuning in. We wanted to surprise you guys with this little treat. It is a little treat. So for those of you who have been listening, uh, we were planning on doing a different episode for our triumphant return after what was supposed to be a super casually stress-free wedding month for me. And uh, then everything shut down. For those of you, I guess, I mean, we have listeners all over the world. So to clarify, we are in Illinois and we are sheltering in place per the government. And we had to figure out how to record separately from our own homes, which is challenging enough without trying to interview a bunch of other people. So we're, we're postponing part two of the prison episode while we get our shit together. Yes, we're hoping that you will understand. <laughs> I mean, I, they seem like an understanding bunch. I think so. I pride myself in that, that we have a cool group of people. We got some good fans. Did anybody actually send us any messages about pre- questions for people who work in prisons? No, not yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh, this is where you come in. Please send us questions so that we can do that episode. Um, If you haven't listened to it, we released a Psychology of Prison episode, and um, we have goals to interview some people who have worked in the system, and we want to know what questions you guys have for them. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm sure we can ask them all what their favorite colors and childhood dreams were, I don't know if that's actually going to help, so... If there's stuff you want to know, tell us. Otherwise, we're going to decide what we ask, and that's never good, so. It's always good. But yeah, we appreciate you guys, um, you know, sticking around, and hopefully this is a good surprise for you guys, something to listen to. Um, You know, as always, we do have our Facebook page that you guys are more than welcome to post things on and communicate with us. Um, aside from, you know, seeing clients via telehealth, we love interacting with you all, so. We do, yeah. We also, uh, yeah, we got our Facebook page. Check that out for updates. Send us some messages if you're bored and have nothing else going on. We're bored, too. Um, we also each have our own professional Instagram. Mine is Megan Baker, LCSW. And mine is Lauren underscore Malika, LMFT. Instagram. At Instagram. You can check us out there. Lauren has been doing some Insta Live stuff that's been pretty cool. Yes, I've been trying to hit you all with coping skills right now because things are crazy and just little check ins. I did one way too long Instagram TV episode that got split into two because I did not know you could only do 15 minutes at a time and it was 16 minutes long. Uh, Uh, I did one on mindfulness for the whole family. So some family friends. I I intend on doing more. I've just been dealing with other things. So I'll get to you. Megan also did a um, 
a Netflix party? What was it called? I did. I did a Netflix watch party. Uh, that was great. It was me and two other people. Brandy, our number Brandy. one fan. Hey, Brandy. How you doing? And uh, my good friend, Caitlin. It was the three of us. And we watched um, like the first two episodes of The Confession Killer. So mm. I would love to do more watch parties. It was super fun. So check How our... How does that work? Are you guys all able to like talk to each other? Yeah. So there's a Netflix watch party. It's a Netflix party extension for Chrome. And so basically I send a, I start the party and send out a link. Everybody clicks the link and then you have to press the NP on your own computer and then you join the party. And so like we all watch it at the same time. So if it pauses, so if one person pauses it, it pauses it for everyone. And then there's like a chat on the side. So you can like. Do you guys see each other or no? No, it's just text. So you're just typing to each other about what's happening. Um, But it was really nice. I would love to do more. I know we had some people on Insta who um, wanted to join, but there were so many people downloading the Netflix party extension, she couldn't download it. So it had crashed. So I'd like to do another one. Please check out. Um, our Facebook page, Spooky Psychology St. Charles, for information on that. I don't know, you know, let us know if there's something that you think would be fun to watch together. Yeah, we can definitely. do, I mean, we can provide some insight as applicable or just, you know, talk about random stuff. With the confession killer, it was definitely just very much like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> Like, when he first gets arrested, he's just like, oh, you must be arresting me because of this warrant I have in a different state. And the police officer is like, yes, that is exactly what's happening here. Oh, my God. It's Florida, right? And then he's like, no, it's in this state. And he's like, perfect, perfect. Didn't even know yet. So it's like, confession killer. We definitely need to do a full episode on Henry Lee Lucas. I, I, I need to finish watching it. But um, we can always start a movie. There's also, ooh, I haven't started it yet. But Netflix, because Netflix loves us, has created a show that is about Sigmund Freud catching a serial killer. I saw that. And, like, I haven't watched it, but I saw, like, the preview. I have not watched it. I have not even watched the preview. But I, Tim did some research because, basically... I just want it to be Freud doing a lot of cocaine and saying crazy stuff because that's very Ooh. Freud. Like, he did a lot of cocaine. I guess everyone did at the time, though, so not, like, as stigmatized. Not everyone, but, like, it wasn't as just, stigmatized. Uh, you know, get ghosts out of your blood. Yeah. Ideally. There's a bunch of ghosts in your blood. You gotta do cocaine about it. And, um... He just, like, constantly said weird stuff. So I was really hoping it was going to be like that. And I am told that he does, it does focus quite a bit on his cocaine usage. Yes. But I am unclear if this is supposed to be funny or serious. I'm hoping for funny. I mean, ideally, yes. Either way, like, even if it's, like, super lame, we can make fun of it, so... So maybe that should be our next watch party. Yes. We're going to watch the Freud show. We're all going to do cocaine. (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely not going to do cocaine, but you guys do you. Just be responsible. 
I also will not be doing cocaine, just as a blanket statement. So blanket statement, until told otherwise, assume both Lauren and I are not doing cocaine. <laughs> will I do ice cream? Yes. I mean, probably. I, I would love an iced coffee, regardless of the time of day. Um, That's my drug of choice, yes. Yeah, caffeine. Mm. So... Maybe that'll be our next watch party, but it was super fun. So maybe this weekend. I don't know what you guys have going on. Um, because, again, I have no idea where you are and what options you have at this point. I guess but... for those of you not in Illinois, should we explain what Shelter in Place is in case people yeah, aren't Megan aware? Yeah, ex- explain that for people because some people may not know and be like, what in the shit is happening? Right, and if you're in Illinois, you're probably like, yes, we know, but like we do have a decent amount of international listeners. We do. And basically everywhere, you know, in the United States of America, every state is deciding by itself how we're handling this. So Illinois is sheltered in place. It was originally for just oh, two weeks and now we extended it through the entire month of April so basically we are not allowed to uh, go places or see people unless it's for an essential reason so like we can go grocery shopping and to the pharmacy and to get gas and that's about it right now unless you're an essential worker uh, yeah. which technically we are but we're electing to do telehealth instead of in-person sessions for the safety of ourselves and others but yeah so pretty much like we can't hang out with friends we can't uh you can't eat in any restaurants or bars you can get takeout um most places are doing curbside delivery so you call them and they bring it to your car and that's about it that's all we got going we are allowed to go take walks though which is nice that is nice i mean finally the weather has been normal and Takeout's been kind of weird. I don't know about you, but we got Mexican uh, earlier this... Or, no, it was during the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we had to, like, pick it up from, like, an abandoned chair. Oh! <laughs> it's kind of spooky. Yeah, I've done... <laughs> I did the drive through this morning because we ran out of coffee crowns. And um, so we needed to get four pounds of coffee from Duncan because we had a gift card. And, uh, yeah, so we did that, especially since they're wearing gloves and masks. It's like the drive-thru is a pretty... And you can pay on your phone at Dunkin', so, like, you very little contact. And uh, so I did that this morning, and that... I mean, it was pretty normal, except for the gloves and masks. That's a new addition. And Tim... exciting! We got Chinese food on mm-hmm. Friday, mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, it was curbside, so they brought it out to the car. Nice. So you had to, like, pay over the phone, and then they bring it out to your car. But apparently while he was sitting there, somebody was, like, screaming at oh. this poor woman who's, like, bringing food to people's cars about how terrible the service was okay. and everything else, which is, like, guys... Every everyone's stressed out right now. Like, be a nice person. I get that. I mean, I definitely hit a stir crazy point the other day, mainly because I also sprained my knee this week and my asthma's gotten bad. So I've been pretty sedentary, and um, you know, unfortunately, with doing telehealth, I am not working much at all. I'm seeing like less than half of the clients I typically see and also because people are losing their health insurance and losing their jobs and that makes it hard to get to therapy 
So I've had way too much free time and I got stir crazy. But like, don't yell at people about it. It's not like her fault. I think it's also possibly because it's it was Chinese food. Oh, and yeah, I didn't think about the racist part of that. There are quite a few people who are responding to it in a racist way. Um, it's not the girl who's bringing food to your car. Like, coronavirus is not her fault. Like, <laughs> She's not responsible for it this. May I don't have know if you know this. It may have originated in China, but that does not mean that, like, Chinese people... Like, they're scared, too, and they're losing tons of business. This is not, like, yeah. how... This has nothing to do with them, so I don't know if that was a factor or just being a little cooped up. How have you been doing with it? Are you getting stir-crazy at all? I think you're busier than I am with work right now. Yes, I would say right now um, my, my caseload has stayed the same, and luckily people are chill with moving to telehealth. Um, it's just been kind of, like like a like a weird transition just like looking at screens instead of like people's actual faces so i got these nifty blue light glasses Ooh. um they're really cool here i'll show you because i'm on zoom with megan right <laughs> we're now. on zoom while we're recording this <clears throat> so we can but, um, see each other but yeah so they're they're a little extra nick was roasting me about them um but i love them if um, it and makes, they have definitely helped with headaches. If it so. makes you feel better, these are my... I also oh. have a pair. Um, I haven't been using them as much. I used them back when I worked at my full-time job, and I stared at computer screens for, like, 40 hours a week. I, I needed them because I kept getting headaches. Yep. I was like, I can't deal with the headache piece of right. it. But, um, yeah, and I've been doing okay. Um, I got back into yoga just because the weather was shitty, so I was like, I need to be active. Otherwise weird things happen to my back um but yeah staying busy with work that's been the majority of stuff that we've been doing oh also if you're looking for a therapist right now megan has some openings i have many openings uh for licensure reasons i can only see you if you're in the state of illinois but if you're anywhere in the state of illinois and need a therapist i i am glad to virtually see you yeah. Happy to help. She is wonderful. And if you're lucky, you could be one of the select few clients that gets to meet my dog because hey. there's another dog outside and she's hiding under my desk. It's happened a few times. Have your pigs... How are your pigs taking you being home all the time? Are they loving it oh, or hating it? They are loving it. Loving she it. had a complete 180 in her personality. Um, she's no longer a bitch. <laughs> Um, so that's really exciting. She's being really, really snuggly. Um, I think they're happy. I think they're definitely, like, confused. But I feel like ultimately this is what they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so we're home. Um, it's been cool because, like, sometimes, like, they'll come and hang out in the office with me while I'm, you know, seeing clients and I can have them meet Maji and Majora. Yeah. And it's an exciting show and tell time. I think that's been a fun thing is as therapists like we're getting to meet so many pets right now i know like because you hear about them but then like when you're actually doing telehealth the amount of people that are like do you want to meet my pet right now it's like yes yes i do of course Bring i them always want to meet your pet i also have had like people who are adults um 
you know, just letting me, like, meet, like, their kids for the first time, so, like, that's been cool, like, it's definitely interesting being invited into, like, people's homes, and obviously they're being invited into mine, in a way, in my guest office, mm-hmm. um, for those of you who are not on Zoom, which is everyone except for Megan, um, okay. I'm in our office, and this is Nick's, like, man layer, so it's, like, covered with video game stuff and memorabilia so nice i really like it my desk i had to turn it around um because i i live in a shitty apartment um which i'm not gonna describe too much but it's it's like your standard kind of shitty apartment and um you know with where my desk is in the middle of my living room and I, I'm totally fine with my clients seeing parts of my home that I carefully pick out, but I'm not fine with them seeing most of my home. Uh, Same. Just because it's a weird, like, boundary. Yeah. Like, and especially since uh, my husband's working from home, too. Luckily, he's upstairs, and, you know, he's we both wear headsets all the time and I have a sound machine and using microphones and stuff so we can't even hear each other but like you know there's just not options so like I had to turn my desk around so it's facing the wall instead of facing like my whole living room so I have a I have a curated assortment of photos you did good thank you thank you so yeah I have a curated assortment of photos and Right now, my dog's not under my desk, but she is on the couch in her spot, which is very close to my desk, so... As you can see, I also have laundry drying (laughs) casually in the background as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice aesthetics. I would assume if you were seeing a client, you'd probably not have the laundry there, but... Probably. 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 Oh boy. So why don't we get into the topic? The topic, of... yeah. Well, kind of tangentially related to the topic of today. Have you watched Tiger King yet? Of course I have. Okay, good. We, I, yeah, I think it fits in this, and I almost uh, yes. talked about Joe Exotic. I thought about it. Um, so today's topic is celebrity meltdowns. Da, da, da. Which is. I mean, I think the spookiest thing about celebrity meltdowns is how creepy people get about them, like the fans. Like, we really love when other people are going through terrible times. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of weird. But, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today and the psychology behind it and all of the factors as to why it happens and why we're so obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. But... Joe Exotic, man. I mean, that entire... For anybody who hasn't watched Tiger King yet, just stop this podcast, watch seven hours of Tiger King, loop back. back. It's more important. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating. It really Do, do you really have is. thoughts on Tiger King that you would like to share? Okay, I do have a conspiracy theory. I love so. it. Let's hear it. My conspiracy theory is that Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. I don't think the tiger ate it. I think she buried him on the trail that she rides her bike on every day. (laughs) Perfect. 
Uh, we just like to say now that we are not saying for certain that Carol Baskin did kill her husband. Correct. <laughs> this Personal. is a complete conspiracy theory by me, Lauren Malika. But, you know, I was thinking about it because you know how, like, murderers, like, return to, like, the scene of, like, their crimes? They do, yeah. Interesting. I was like, I wonder if that's why she rides the trail every day. <laughs> that is an interesting... I like that. That takes it far. We've been sending a lot of memes. Um, you know, I think I think my favorite Tiger King meme is just Donald Trump talking to someone and they're like, the virus is getting out of hand. What do we do? And Trump's like, release the tiger documentary. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's a big reason why... We're so, it's such a train wreck from start to finish, right? Like, it's there so is good. so few people in there that have any redeeming qualities yeah. as human beings, right? Like, it's so fascinating. But it really. I would say my least favorite person in it is, um, I can't even re- remember what his name is, but the one who's the snitch. Jeff? Is- Jeff uh, Rowe? No, no, no. No, the the other one who's like, I think he might be like a truck driver or something. Oh, uh, the strip club owner. Yeah, yeah that him. guy, the guy who randomly has a scene of him riding on a jet ski <laughs> for literally no reason, like it adds yes. nothing. Yes. Yeah, hate him. Not a fan. So yeah, no, I I don't know. I don't know who my least favorite person is. I will say something really really fascinating that i just found out this morning so this is like hot off the press guys and by hot off the press i mean this is something that happened years ago but i just learned about it so hot 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 off the press apparently there was an exotic zoo in batavia illinois whose like zoo owner was also sent to prison for murder for hire schemes. See, so see, there's see. something about. I mean, although it was re- that press thing was released on April first, but I'm assuming it's it's legit because I think it's so obscure to be a prank, and it has a lot of detail. Um, let me just Google this pretty quickly just to verify this, but it's. Lauren Womack. L O R I N Womack. Lauren Malika. Was. Lauren <laughs> Malika. Oh, yeah, no, this is from 2001. The exotic zoo owner, Chicago Tribune, was sentenced to 26 years in prison for a murder for hire plot trying to kill his girlfriend's husband. So, oh, okay. such an interesting jump in between, like, owning exotic pets and murder for hire um you know i would counter that and say it's not a big jump because when you think of these people that are working with these exotic animals obviously they're big into risk taking oh and high risk behavior so i wonder if there's some frontal lobe stuff going on true i mean yeah that is an excellent point um where it's like such a specific niche. I will say, and somebody posted something yesterday um, talking about how if Carol Baskin really cared about the tigers, she would have tried to get the tigers instead of going after Joe for the money. Um, right? Like yeah. she could have tried to do it in assets and try to collect the tigers and rescue them. 
Um, which is just an interesting take on it, right? Like, it's just, like, the amount of meltdowns that happen in that documentary, like, it's amazing. I think my favorite part of it was when uh, Saf, who I think Saf is, like, the best person in that documentary. Yeah, easily. Like, easily. Saf just yeah. cares about the tigers, fine. But Saf got, um their arm bitten off by a tiger and the first thing joe does is put on an emt jacket (laughs) i found a good meme i'll post it to the facebook but let me pull it up for you hang on um that also is my favorite like at what point when you find out your employee's arm has been ripped off are you just like, hold on, I have the jacket for this occasion. Like, this is not about you. Okay, I found it. Homegirl got her arm ripped off by a tiger, and Joe Exotic's first move was to throw on an EMS bomber. The drip never takes a back seat. This is amazing. Well, and even, like, <laughs> like going into the gift shop and just being like, I'm going to tell you before the press tells you. <laughs> One of my straight up children put their arm in a cage and got their arm ripped off. So do you guys want a refund or do you want to come back a different day? And everyone's just like staring <laughs> at him. Especially like I, there's like one little girl's face and she's just like, oh my god. But Saf uh, is a badass. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what pronouns to use for Saf. So, I'm not sure either. Saf, so they... I apologize if I have misgendered you, assuming you're totally a big fan of our podcast. I've allegedly... <laughs> you in... totally listen. That Saf totally <laughs> listens. Well, because in the actual show, they say that she's female. I've heard that they're transgender, so now he's a male. I haven't verified any of that, so my apologies to Saf. Send you much love. If you, you don't mean are using else. a different name or something, let me know. I'll gladly edit this. Um, so that, I think that's been that's been helping. Just the amount of Tiger King memes are healing yeah. us all. But kind of speaking of the, the memes and like Tiger King and how big it's gotten, Lauren, would you ever want to be famous? Mm, this is a great question. Um... <sighs> So I've thought about this before. <laughs> and uh, we all have. It's we all have. Um, I would say mildly, not like, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, I'm okay with people like in the area kind of knowing who I am, but I don't know how I would feel about being popular like nationwide. Mm-hmm. Just because I really like my privacy. Right. Um, I don't really like the thought of, like, people um, just knowing, like, information about my life or, um, you know, just, like, the weird thing that happens with celebrities where people will, like, hate them for Mm -hmm. no reason. I feel like that would deeply bother me. Right. Um, So I guess, like, for, like, a mild degree, maybe, but not, like, nationwide. Yeah. That makes sense. How about you? Um, so the interesting thing is, growing up, I always wanted to be famous. Oh, always. for what? Um, depending on my age, as those of you who have seen us live have probably figured out, I do love performing. 
Um, I, you know, I did ballet, I did musicals, I like doing the podcast, I like doing the live show, I really like attention to a moderate degree. Um, I like mild amounts of attention, don't we all? And so I always thought I wanted to be famous, and I have really drastically changed that as I've gotten older. Um, So, you know, I'd be okay being like Brene Brown famous. Because Brene Brown is very niche famous, right? Like, she is. is, kind of. Like, I've read some quotes. I think she's really smart. For those of you who don't know, Brene Brown is a social worker who's done a lot about being vulnerable and being authentic. She's written books. She's done TED Talks. She's great. She has a podcast now. But, like, I don't know what she looks like. I do. You do? You do know? Like, Mm -hmm. would you recognize Brene Brown on the street? Yes. Right? Yeah. So, like, some people would, some people wouldn't. But, like, people don't hate Brene Brown. Like, she's not. Some people do. Some people do. Is she too famous? Maybe. See, then I want to be less than Brene Brown. She's too famous. Really? What? Something happened. What happened? I don't. I think it was, like, the first time she did a TED Talk. Um, People, like, ripped her apart. And, like, weirdly, it was about, like, the way that she looks. And, like, she's, like, a very normal, attractive, like, female. But people were, like, I don't know. It was just, like, very bizarre things to be, like, you know, terrorizing her about. Yeah. But, like, she had to, like, get off, like, social media for a while. Oh, that's it was too much. Poor Brene. I mean, mm-hmm. see, and, that, and that's, like, the thing with the downside. Like, I'd be okay being very niche famous. Like, some of the... Like um, Karen in Georgia? No. Dear God, Too no. Famous? Like, Esther Deblinger. Who is that? Famous. Esther Deblinger is somebody who invented TFCBT and is, like, really, really big in, like, the research world. Oh. Right? Like, that kind of thing where, like, people in the field know. And I guess we're doing a podcast... So obviously we're a bit more like we have it's pretty niche. We're getting like fifteen hundred downloads a month, which is really great. Thank you guys. Please subscribe Thank to our guys. podcast, rate review. Rate review. But like I don't I mean we I don't think we've gotten like a ton of criticism. I think people just Mm-mm. if they don't like it, just stop listening. Yeah. Which is fine by me. But even like Karen and Georgia are constantly ripped apart. Yeah, and that's true. That's the part of fame that I don't like, right? And I sometimes they deserved it. Like sometimes they definitely needed to have their behavior corrected and I won't discount that. But people hold famous people to such a high standard. Yeah. And I it's agree. not fair. And so I think to a large point, like if I'm like like if our podcast gets decently popular and we get some sponsors and we get some other things going then great cool like we can make money off of it we have fans that's awesome yeah but like the whole international touring magazine cover professional Mm -hmm. photo shoots people ripping you apart because you said something slightly wrong um and i'm not talking about like their racial things i'm talking like that's problematic but like i remember being in something where uh, Karen was talking about her own insecurity about not wanting to be on crutches on stage. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of people taking it like she's saying that disabled people can't be in public. And it's like, listen, like, I'm oh, disabled. I've used 
canes. I've used a walker at one point for a little bit. I've used canes for a couple years in my life, crutches, other things as needed. But, like, she basically said, I would feel weird about that. And then people take that as offensive. And it's like, or when she's talked about feeling fat, people take that offensive. And it's like, she's allowed to discuss her own experience, even if you don't like her own experience. And that's where, to me, it gets taken too far. Yeah, I agree. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, when they, if they do something insensitive, they need to apologize. Um, And they, and they've done a couple things they're human they've made mistakes it happens i make mistakes if i was recording myself all the time i guarantee you i would have to make like so many corrections right but at the same time like the amount of angry people get when they say something where it's like she's fat shaming and it's like she said that i don't like the way that i personally look like that's not fat shaming that's having a self-image problem like she also talks about her like they both talk about eating disorders and drug usage obviously they have some self-image problems right like they've discussed it they're going to therapy and right and so i don't think i would ever want to get so famous that thousands of people are criticizing my own thoughts about myself i think that's too far um or you have to like worry about like your safety and shit right like i i do like that we have fans i think it's pretty dope but i also i like my privacy i like to keep things a bit simple i don't necessarily want you know a mansion I don't want to move to LA. I don't think I would want to internationally tour with this. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds exhausting. Also, we're both like very tired people. So like when yeah, people are like, I wouldn't do well. like we'll do some live shows if you want us to come to you. Tell us, maybe we can. There's yeah. absolutely no guarantee, especially if you're like in Chicago or something. Like mm-hmm. we do a show in Chicago. Like we'll do stuff sometimes, but oh yeah. The whole, like, going on year-long tours and everything is just like, oh, I'm tired even thinking about it. Yeah, there's no way. There is no way. And, like, also, I don't know if it's like this for you, but, like, for me, with having an autoimmune disorder, every time I go on a plane, I end up getting sick. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... Just with all the people. Yeah, I've only flown twice, so I have no idea if I... I don't think I got sick the last time I went I'm not I may or may not have an immune disorder the research is still happening and my blood work is consistently I can say I don't have lupus I've been tested 13 times for lupus and I still don't have lupus and it's like the weirdest thing where they're like we're gonna test you for lupus and it's like why the hell not like I'm throw it on there do another blood test it's like yeah just take it test it again don't even bother looking at my blood results of the past 13 lupus tests coming back negative but like there's a lot of confusion about what I do have and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, I I don't really know. I think I have a shitty immune system. I don't know if I technically have a deficient immune system. I just know that it's only, I guess it's April 2nd, and I've already had a sinus infection, a cold, and the flu this year. So... <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> it's also... That's also the problem with working with kids. Yeah. And working with kids not. in multiple school districts is you get, like, every school district's cold. And so you're like, get a little bit better, and then you get sick again, and you get a little bit better, and then you get sick again, and then I always end up with a sinus infection. And the flu I got from my wedding. 
Yeah. There were like seven people from the, actually, I think we're up to like 10 or 15 people from the wedding that all got the flu. So, sorry guys. I did not. Lauren didn't. I was so surprised that you didn't too. I was really worried about you, but. Your girl is kicking. I think I got a little bit of a cold, but that went away super quickly. But you know, at least it's been over two weeks that nobody has COVID. So there wasn't a COVID outbreak at the wedding, just the flu. And everybody is recovered nicely. Just the infectious love. <laughs> the infectious love. Also, both influenza A and B, there were two different <laughs> ones that came around. I have no idea how that even happened. I am one of two people that got, or like two or three that got influenza B, and then the rest all got A, so I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and then we created a third type of influenza. <laughs> well, it w- I was looking at a specific picture. One of Tim's sisters had A, one had B. <laughs> And it was like me hugging Laura, and I'm like, that's the exact moment we both got influenza B right there. It's like, you should turn that into a meme. There it is. It's actually a very lovely picture. I can't wait to get the actual pictures back. Me too. So excited. They're going to be beautiful. Beautiful. We'll post one of the pictures of me and Lauren at my wedding on the Facebook page. We have have a few. We looked nice. And obviously professional ones too, but those are yet to be seen. You know the professional ones where we actually look nice is like a nice one to throw up there. Like I know it's my wedding and I'm not trying to like be like super attention seeking about it, but we have so few pictures of the two of us. We really do. We we don't. And we also like have very odd pictures, the ones that we do have with each other. I really appreciate that at my rehearsal dinner you talked about the time we carved our initials into a table at the junction and i had no recollection of that happening whatsoever like i straight up did not remember that and then like the next day it showed up on facebook memories and lauren's like tagging me in it i'm like shit so we have pictures like that of dumb stuff we did in college and like very few of all of the professional and actual important stuff we've done since then. <laughs> also, I love that we're 40 minutes in and we really have. I mean, I hope you guys are liking this. I mean, you're getting a chance to hang with us, basically. <laughs> to hang with us. we It's like whenever you get human contact right now, even <laughs> over the computer, you're just like, you're like, let me regale you with times in the past when we could see each other. Um, Can I off? Have you ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, I've seen random episodes of it. There's this one where um, Frank, who is Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. is like a limo driver in the episode. And in the back seat, this character, Charlie, is like on a date. And he basically pretends that he has consumption and starts like coughing up blood. And then Frank like turns around and he's like, can I offer you an egg during this trying time? <laughs> and I was like, I relate to that because Easter is around the corner. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, right? We're, like, trying to decide what we're going to do. And, like, there's food. We have some cultural Easter food. And now we're like, are we even going to make for the two of us? Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Brunch, 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 brunch. I mean, brunch is always the answer. I should I should get him to try to make hollandaise. He makes a really good hollandaise, so maybe we'll make something with hollandaise on it. So well, anyway, anyway, <laughs> so shall we get into the psychology of celebrity? Yeah. So, and I mean, I think I touched well, on it a little bit with some of the Joe Exotic stuff, but yeah, really, the psychology of 
so it kind of the interesting thing is it used to be that celebrities were like really notable people right like they were famous authors they were famous for like politicians and other things and it was like genuinely a big deal and then in 1925 like back when they were revered and respected like if you think like but then in 25, this guy, Walter Winchell, started the first newspaper gossip column. Um, so this is a quote from his biographer, Neil Gabler, said, In 1925, at a time when the editors of most newspapers were reluctant to publish even something as inoffensive as the notice of an impending birth for fear of crossing the boundaries of good taste, Winchell introduced a revolutionary column that reported who was romancing whom, who was cavorting with gangsters, who was ill or dying, who was suffering financial difficulties, which spouses were having affairs, which couples were about to divorce, and dozens of other secrets. He suddenly and single-handedly expanded the purview of American journalism forever, Winchell helped inaugurate a new mass culture of celebrity. So, I mean, that's actually fairly recent if we think about it. So before then, I mean, like I said, like they wouldn't even show pictures from the waist down to hide the, you know, having polio. They wouldn't post anything um, that was really personal about celebrities. And then suddenly all of these salacious secrets are being put out. And it's so interesting because, like, obviously that's how we see celebrities. We really dig deep into everything about their lives, including all of the messy secrets. So some people say we, you know, we treat celebrities kind of like they're always there to entertain us even when they're not acting, right? So, like, that their personal lives are here to entertain us. Like, they themselves are entertainment. Um, you know, we want to see all of these crazy things happening. Mark Harris, who's an editor at Entertainment Weekly, said that it's like a soap opera in America. Like, we're constantly watching this. And if you look at before 25, kind of before this whole gossip column thing started celebrities were really respected and you had to actually do something impressive to become a celebrity i read this whole article and i don't think i talked about it a ton in here but about kim kardashian mm-hmm. and like pretty much how she's famous and the whole kardashian thing really started because of kim kardashian's sex tape right. like we're now at a point where you can become famous for having sex with someone like most people have sex at some point in their life. Some people are asexual it's and not don't, impressive. Right? Like it's not particularly <laughs> impressive, right? Like it's something that people do typically at some point in their lifespan. And like it really you don't have to do anything to be famous anymore, but people view you as a constant source of entertainment. And so, you know, fame has really lost its meaning. Like, it's not really, like, a well-respected thing anymore, in a sense. Because, like, if you think about it, people... Some people respect some celebrities. 
like I said, there's like niche celebrities like Esther Deblinger. I have a lot of respect. I think she did a lot of hard work. She did a ton of research and she really did something that's helped a lot of people. Of course, she was also with Manorino and Cohen. Like it was a group effort, but like I've read a lot about her, right? So like those kind of celebrities you respect. But, like, for all of you people who watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, do you genuinely respect them as human beings? Probably not. Like, you're not watching it because it's so, like, respectful. You're not learning anything. It's purely for entertainment. So fame has become so immediate and lost its meaning. Like, we look up to celebrities, but we also look down on them. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like, the image of celebrities is really fake because now so often everything is going through publicists that's true so like they're not they are real people but the way that we see them and the way that present themselves is not always real it's usually very cultivated Um, highly curated stuff like right like it's a very curated life that they're living and you know there's a psychiatrist kramer who says we have strong feelings about all of these celebrities and we don't have enough intimate passion in our lives there is no there is the whole sequence of building up deflating and rehabilitating heroes it seems to go on endlessly and repeatedly it's risk free for most of us so a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists really think that how celebrities got so big is it's really a distraction for a lot of us like they add excitement to our lives and I could see that you know like it you know if we have these deep anxieties about our own lives it's really easy to just look at a celebrity and get so into it yeah get totally like distracted by it like completely distracted by it um and like we you know we might we're jealous of them I think in a lot of sense a lot of us are jealous probably or possibly of like the privilege that they have the perks that they Mm -hmm. have for their lifestyle for their fame for their money but we Mm -hmm. don't tend to genuinely admire them right as a group now of course some people are celebrities and also are admirable people they're not mutually exclusive but for the most part like we enjoy seeing them fail yeah in a sense like you what is that german word is it schadenfreude yeah yeah that's brought up a lot um in these articles right because if you think about it if you're going through something in your life and suddenly the celebrity who looks so perfect on the outside you find out that their spouse is cheating on them it's like entertaining because it's just like well it happens to them too it's like well like i guess you can't keep your man like it's all of these things that Mm -hmm. we kind of place on other people it's a big distraction like it's a lot of times we're just amused by them and now the celebrity cycle is so short-lived like think about how many people become super famous super quickly for example joe exotic right he was a local celebrity i've heard from some people who live there he um He's a local celebrity. Like, people knew who he was, obviously, because if you're in that part of the country and it's like, oh, there's the guy with 200 tigers who's running for governor. Like, you know who that person is, right? He was literally running for president in 2016, and I didn't hear of him then. Did you hear about him at all? 
No, I wish I did. Right? So, like, suddenly, they made this documentary. It just got released. Now we all know who he is. A year from now, we probably won't. Like, even a couple months, we won't be talking about it as much as we do now, right? He's very quickly gone to fame, and it's going to fade. He also, I find this hilarious, every single person in that documentary has come out Mm -hmm. about how angry they are represented, and he's loving it. I was going to say, I bet he's loving this right now. Yeah, his husband, Dylan, actually was like, I just talked to him. He's so excited. Everyone's sending him things. Like, girls are sending him panties and emails, and he's all about it. So, like, (sighs) he's loving the fame because i think that's just the person that he is he clearly has sought fame for most of his life and now he's so excited about it but like in a couple months nobody's like we'll still joke about it sometimes but it's not going to be part of the national conversation anymore and that's what happens with celebrities think of like how many people have shot up really quickly and then nothing and then you don't hear anything like the one girl who's like um, I can't remember what her name is, but she was like, catch me outside. How about that? Yeah. That girl. Now, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know where she is. I actually do know what she's doing. What is she doing? She is now a rapper going by oh. the name Bad Baby. That's B-H-A-D-B-A-B-I-E, I believe. Um, she just made the news again because she oh. was uh, calling out... God, what is it? Billie Eilish? For what? I don't know. Bill, I haven't read the whole thing. Apparently, Billie Eilish, like, posted a meme and everyone's mad at her. I don't know. But, again, like, th- these people are, like, Billie Eilish is 18. We all did dumb shit when we were 18. Yeah. Like, even if... She, I don't even know what she did. Something about a meme. But, like, Bad Baby or whatever her actual name is. I forget. <laughs> like The Bad Baby. She is somebody who had her 15 minutes and is aggressively trying to get it back. Which is hard to do, right? I've even seen um, she released a makeup line. She met with Jeffree Star to try to get Jeffree Star to review her makeup line on his channel, which he he did. No, he did. Did He he did a whole video. He met her. He said she's very nice. Um, Where, like, she delivered it and something... I think that was her. I might be mixing up. No, I'm pretty sure it was her. So, like, she's aggressively trying to cling to fame, but ultimately, like, she kind of already hit it. Like you were saying, like, I happen to know what she's up to. You didn't. I won't expect Mm -hmm. most people would. I just happen to um, have seen articles about her recently. That's, like, the only reason I know that. And, you know... It's it's just like that's the thing is it cycles so quickly and the vast majority of people who get famous get famous quickly and then it disappears and they can't get it back. Absolutely. Because there was her. I'm trying to think of other examples mm. of like really. I mean, like you see it with like one hit wonders. You see it with oh, yeah. all of these other things where like like the um, call me maybe girl. Yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, yeah. She's still doing music, I believe, but not nearly as famous as that one song. Like, she kind of hit it big, and now you don't hear much about yeah. her 
at all. Like, it's very rare to hit sustainable fame. And it didn't used to be like that. Like, it used to be to get famous, you had to do something really impressive. Right. And that leads to a lot of the people, like William Shakespeare, like all of these people that we still talk about, still read about, still know today. Like, the celebrity was way more long-lasting. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. I mean, even think about some of the big celebrities from the 20s or 30s that were so huge back then, even the 40s or 50s, that you just don't know who they are now. Yeah, that's true. It's it's just a totally different thing, and the way that we consume it is so different. Um, And if you think about it, like, being a celebrity is its own career. Mm-hmm. It's not just being a musician. It's not just being an actor. Like the celebrity itself is a career and there's a lot of pressure. And if you think about it, like, you know, for example, Lauren, you are a therapist. That is your career, right? Correct. And then you go home and nobody gives a shit what you do. <laughs> right? Like your clients don't really care what you do outside of then i think they tend to i think they care a little bit they like to like know (laughs) things but like ultimately if you go to the grocery store in your pajamas it's not it's not ever going to become a big thing like people aren't like i've seen clients in my pajamas they're like "Mm, there's lauren in the wild right and it's just like yo this is what i look like when i'm not in session we don't need to talk about it that much right like it's totally different for most people your career is like while you're at work and you're able to have a private life and celebrities don't have it their entire life is their career and every single time they mess up at all we as a society just eat it up we love it we absorb it it's like society is their boss in a way right and like we control what happens to them so their behavior is always awful like if you think about it in most careers um if and this is obviously like it's a terrible situation psychologically but in most careers if you if find if your spouse cheats on you and you get a divorce that's a thing that happens to people right mm-hmm. your clients don't know about it like your business clients like you're no. not talking about it at the time most people don't know unless you tell them you if you're close with your coworkers, you might discuss it a bit but like it's a personal thing it's not impacting your work at all for celebrities if that happens and that tends to happen a lot with celebrities Mm -hmm. maybe because we're more aware of it maybe because of other factors right but it's a huge thing it impacts their career we all talk about it it's on the front page of newspapers it's on this and you have to imagine the pressure of everything that goes wrong in your life being that public right and all of this leads into kind of the factors as to why celebrities tend to have these meltdowns because I think a lot of us have the grace that if we're dealing with something we can step back we can deal with it privately we can have our own space to process we can do what we need to do to cope effectively and like celebrities can't go to the grocery store without the paparazzi following them if they disappear for um like for example Richard Simmons Mm -hmm. you know who he is right Mm -hmm. so he 
has been he has stayed in his house for years at this point he completely ducked out of the limelight yeah so he has had to come forward on multiple occasions to say that he's fine because he stepped out the amount of people saying that he's been kidnapped that he's brainwashed that he's in a cult and he's just like no i just don't want to be that person anymore and i'm just trying to live my life like he's like I'm older. Yeah. I just want to calm down. Like NBD. But... Dave Chappelle took a break like that before, right? And like how concerned people are when they take a break, yeah. and when they're taking a break, how much the paparazzi try to get pictures of them taking a break. Like they don't get to do that. They don't get to you know take a week off of work and eat ice cream in their underwear because their life is going to shit like the rest of us can, right? Like, And, and that's we some- do. That's something <laughs> that people do, right? Like, something happens and you just, like, sit in your house and right. you just take that time away. And for the most part, your friends will check in, but, like, people aren't bothering you that much. They're like, cool, whatever. Nobody's trying to get a picture of that. Nobody's trying to figure out what's happening. And they don't have that. And I think that's a lot harder than we think it is um and 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 there's this book the culture of narcissism which is a really big thing and it says you know in our time when success is so largely a function of youth glamour and novelty glory is more fleeting than ever and those who win the attention of the public incessantly worry about losing it Mm -hmm. and that's a huge factor is like their entire career depends on us still liking them yeah and um yeah, I think I'll talk I'll talk about some of the specific stressors they list in a little bit. But it really is okay. like such an interesting cultural phenomenon between like why celebrities get famous and why we're so obsessed with them. And it's on both sides. Like I think there's right. definitely psychological factors that lead to people wanting to be a celebrity. Like, and there's a difference, I think, between people wanting their 15 minutes of fame and people wanting to be a genuine celebrity. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting. I agree. I agree. Okay. My turn? Yeah. All right. So, um, I'm going to talk about, like, the psychology of why we worship celebrities um, or just kind of have that fascination with them. Um, I found this really great article. Um, it's called I'm Your Number One Fan, A Clinical Look at Celebrity Worship. Um, this article is from 2014 uh, by um, a researcher with the last name Sansone. And I want to say it's a part, um, it's a couple who did this research, so it's kind of interesting. Anyway, so basically in their research as they're kind of like you know looking into the background of this um there are researchers named Maltby, Huron, and Makuchin um and they conceptualize celebrity worship as an abnormal type of parasocial relationship that is driven by absorption and addictive elements Celebrity worship is probably the best, is best perceived as a continuum ranging from normal admiration to psychopathological, which, I mean, I feel like we have all heard of, you know, we all have, like, people that we know where, you know, for example, they're like, oh, like, so-and-so is my favorite celebrity, and, you know, I know all about them, to people who are literally, like, stalking celebrities, and, you know, doing stuff like that. So, 
Some findings suggest that the individuals who engage in celebrity worship have certain personality characteristics um, that seem to kind of cluster together. So there are different scales actually to look at celebrity worship. Um, one is the celebrity attitude scale um, and Hartman's boundary questionnaire. Um, and that assesses 12 types of boundaries. So in their study, they examined 140 non-traditional college students in the United States. Um, so in the study, low scores, medium scores, and high scores on the celebrity attitude scale were associated with sensation seeking, cognitive rigidity, identity diffusion, meaning that their identity was um, very susceptible to other people's and they would, you know, kind of merge with other people, so to speak and had poor interpersonal boundaries. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, in another study, 343 adults from the United States and the United Kingdom um, examined, uh, they were examined for narcissistic personality features in relationship to celebrity worship. And they used the narcissistic personality inventory. And in the study, four out of five scales of the inventory for narcissism correlated positively with at least one subscale score on the celebrity attitude scale, supporting the concept of narcissistic features among celebrity worshipers. So again, you know, narcissistic features, not saying that these folks have narcissistic personality disorder, um, but just kind of something to keep in mind. Yeah. They also found that high levels of celebrity worship were associated with both fantasy proneness and dissociation so these folks you know tend to kind of uh spend a lot of time fantasizing about things and you know the way dissociation works is it's just the brain's way of handling overwhelm and when people dissociate essentially what's happening is you know physically they're going through the motions but mentally they're somewhere else processing something um so that part's pretty interesting too um and then I have a couple things before yours. Okay. Um, the celebrity attitude scale appears to be the most widely researched scale for this subject. Um, and the findings indicate that higher scores on the celebrity attitude scale indicate a greater preoccupation with a celebrity are associated with a number of potential emotional and psychological difficulties. So the difficulties that they included were concerns about body image which i think makes a lot of sense i feel like a lot of people um obsess over looking like celebrities or having you know certain body types um and they're saying particularly among young adolescents which makes sense uh greater proneness to cosmetic surgery sensation seeking cognitive rigidity identity diffusion and poor interpersonal boundaries so it's interesting that you know there are certain um characteristics that are more prone to <clears throat> being really fascinated by celebrities yeah i think it makes a lot of sense too um that's interesting. I always love it when we do our research like entirely separately and I have no idea what you're going to talk about. And then it's like, yeah. oh, cool. Look at you doing your research, girl. <laughs> that empirical evidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something kind of on celebrities and kind of on their end, some of the factors that lead them to like 
be stressed, I guess, and make them more prone to melting down mm-hmm. are... Um, so this is all by Charles Figley. His PhD, he's the director of the Psychosocial Stress Research Program at Florida State University. Um, okay. So he said, you're very vulnerable to the personal evaluations of other people. The public is ultimately in control of whether your career continues. That's like so interesting. Right. Like celebrities completely depend on those people to worship them, right? Yeah. Like we need the people who are obsessed or the celebrities do so that their career can keep going. Absolutely. And like, so he sent out a questionnaire um, to random celebrities, publicly top ranked celebrities. Ooh. He got 51 replies. Um, what a cool study. Yeah. yeah. And most were completed by the celebrities, but some were completed by spouses, friends, or adult children mm. of celebrities. So mm-hmm. the top 10 stressors for celebrities in order are uh, the celebrity press. That absolutely makes sense. sense. The paparazzi, number one stressor, right? Critics, so people critically reviewing their performances. Threatening letters and calls. Celebrities get so many threats. So weird. I mean, I can't even imagine how stressful that is. Like, just constantly be getting threatening letters. Like, that's awful. Lack of privacy. like Especially in letter form. I don't know why that scares me more than any other form but because they know where you live yeah 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 that makes sense like just imagine if you got a threatening letter from a client to your home address no low-key i would literally like throw up and shit my pants at the same time if that happened right and then it's like now i have to sell this house like it's like (laughs) now i must go into hiding in my crawl space goodbye and i mean a lot of celebrities i guess have P.O. boxes, so maybe it's not coming to their house, but, like, they're getting constant threats. The lack of privacy and constant monitoring of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they never get the opportunity to be themselves, like, authentically. Um, right. Worrying about career plunges. Like, you never know when you're gonna lose everything. Uh, right. Stalkers. I find it interesting when t- that stalkers is number seven. I don't know if that's maybe because these celebrities have not had a lot of stalkers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that would be... If I that'd had a stalker, one. that'd be pretty high. But if I didn't have one, then... That lack of security. I don't know if that's financial or physical security. It doesn't specify. Curious okay. fans are the ninth stressor. Which is interesting. I, mean, I guess that's just like fans in your business sort of a thing. Yeah, right? I would assume just like fans being overly curious. Um... And number 10, and this is a big one we don't talk about, is worries about their children's lives being disrupted. I think that's super valid, yeah. That's super valid. I know that's actually been more of a topic of uh, conversation lately, because if you think about it, um, celebrities agreed to this. You know, as much as it's it's a really difficult lifestyle, but they had a choice in it. Their children did not. So I know that um, a big one like Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds just had their third child. Good for them. Congratulations, you guys. And they're not releasing the name or any pictures. That's become a really popular thing is a yeah. lot of celebrities are putting emojis over their children's faces in pictures yep. that they post publicly. Right? Because their kids deserve privacy. This, like, sweet little baby they had did not decide to be born to famous parents. And as much as there is a certain privilege that they have, they 
are being born into financial security for the most part, paparazzi are trying to get pictures of them. Like, other kids at school are like, oh, that's your mom and dad. Like, it's so intense for them. Mm-hmm. And they need to be protected. I know there was also a big thing a couple months ago because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter, Apple, mm-hmm. uh, got really pissed at her mom for posting pictures without her permission. Because um, she's becoming a teenager, right? And yeah. her mom posts lots of pictures. And uh, I guess it got enough press because she commented on it and was like, Mom, you did not have my permission to comment, to post this. That's not cool. So she did that on her Instagram. So it Damn became huge. Apple. And now if Gwyneth posts pictures of Apple, she like writes a little thing that Apple said it was okay. But if you think about it, like a lot of people, I know people who won't even post pictures of their kids on social yeah. media, right? Which is, I, I think it's your own choice. But, like, you know what I can imagine? I don't have children. But if I did have children, I don't think I would ever post them on my professional Instagram. Like, their faces, right? Like, I would probably be okay on my personal Instagram because I keep, and like my personal stuff because I keep it locked down and I don't friend people I don't know. But, like, I've definitely seen other people do that. And it's right. like, when do your kids get a choice in this? When are this? I know even like I asked, um, I did post a wedding picture on my professional Instagram, mm-hmm. um, but it was the entire head table and you really couldn't see my husband very well. Even that I asked him if he was okay with that yeah, because I'm like, yeah. some of my clients might see it. I don't know. Um, so even then it's like, you have to just be like, oh, like are you okay with this being posted? Is this okay? Is this not okay? And with kids, especially of like really famous people, like, Mm -hmm. do you want millions of people knowing what your baby looks like? Right. Like I know some therapists who have pictures of their children in their office. Um, I don't think I would. I don't think I would either. But again, like it's a choice. At least then it's like a really limited amount of people. But if like millions of people are going to see it and be obsessed with it, like, your kids need to have a choice. And so it's really kind of an interesting debate. Um, I'm glad that made the top 10. I'm curious as to why it's not higher. But again, it was only 51 people, so yeah. pretty small. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I was doing some research about, like, the psychology of meltdowns. And, you know, really when we think of meltdowns, we think about, like, you know, it's a, it's a term for what happens with children. Um, so what usually happens during a meltdown is for a person, everything seems impossible and people tend to regress in age um, tempor- temporarily in like a younger state. Um, so for example, this article that I found in psychology today, they talked about this teenager who was 15 years old, but was acting like a 15 month old child howling and throwing a tantrum. So that's what we usually think of when we think about a meltdown. Um, so typically meltdowns happen at transitional moments in a person's life when some challenge has to be faced and the young person, or even if they're older, um, is suddenly scared. So I think we all can relate to that, just kind of having a transitional moment where we're suddenly scared. Um, and meltdowns really are inevitable. Um, the greater challenge is, 
you know, for the support people or, you know, if you are a parent and your child is having a meltdown is, um, you know, managing the fear of that person regressing. So they become faced with this behavior. The danger is that the adults overreact, imagining that the tearful, sobbing and, you know, behavior in front of them is, you know, a young person falling apart and spiraling into an irreversible psychosis. It's never like that. It's just like a temporary thing. Um, adults often panic or get angry or run from the situation. And through the unconscious, um, through... Uh, projective identification they end up feeling precisely what the person having the meltdown is feeling so they're full of panic and anger themselves they feel like running away um, and that person in the meltdown taps into the adult's own suppressed need to meltdown or to despair or to give up um, so that kind of describes like okay like what happens for somebody having a meltdown and why it's so distressing for us as like the viewer whether you're a parent or you're just somebody seeing somebody else have a meltdown because it really opens up those vulnerable feelings of us panicking and you know wanting to flee or fight or you know get out of the situation but feeling like we essentially can't yeah i mean that's so interesting because like even looking at that i feel like a lot of people have a lot of very deep primal emotions that they don't express as civilized adults yeah. um, that need to be expressed, quite frankly. So if you can think of like, I don't know, have you ever had like a meltdown that you can think of? Just like a t it's been a while. Um, I'm trying to think. I would say, like, you know, kind of what they were talking about, about, like, transitional periods. Mm -hmm. I remember definitely, like, during, like, college, like, college age years, you know, having, like, several meltdowns. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of a good one. Oh, I remember um, when... So when I was in college, uh, my dad had gotten diagnosed with cancer for a second time. And so I had to, you know, I obviously was doing school and studying and going through midterms and stuff. But then like after I was done with classes during the day, I would have to drive out to um, UIC, which is in like the south side of Chicago, go visit him. And, you know, I remember being so tired and I would like fall asleep in traffic like while I was driving yeah. yeah and so like I remember during that time like I absolutely had like several meltdowns right of course yeah and I mean yeah and I feel like I've done the same at different times in my life when like you just completely break down and, like, mm -hmm. all of that, like, primal rage that you have comes out. Because everybody has primal rage. Yeah. Like, it's in there. Just Think like, about, like... Just on the floor, sobbing, yelling. Road rage. You know. yep. I think it's another one really primal. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely remember a time in college where I got bad news and I just fell on the floor and cried for a good four hours like really though like yeah. people do that and I think everybody's done that at least once in their life but I also think that like celebrity meltdowns tend to be more dramatic than most people's meltdowns right 
But I think a big reason for that, and, like, in the examples we're going to talk about, like, we treat it like it's such a salacious thing and it's so interesting and fascinating. It's like, ooh, they're crazy. For the most part, it's symptoms of a mental illness or drug use. Oh, yeah. Like, a hundred. it's almost always one of those two things, right? And if you think about all of the stress that they're under all the time, of course they're having meltdowns. Like, it makes so mm-hmm. much sense. Like, of course, they're turning to something to cope. And it's not great. And they're going to reach a breaking point. And I think all yeah. of us have reached a breaking point at our life where we've made a decision that was profoundly stupid. Yeah. Right? Like, we've all done something like that. We've done something a little... percent. Like, we've done something crazy. We've done something that we should not have done. Yep. But again, for most of us, no one ever knows about it. It's not in the public eye like a handful of people know. Our close friends and some family members might know. But, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the stress that you're under. Sometimes you just collapse on the floor and cry. Sometimes you yell. Sometimes, like, I don't know if people have ever reached that breaking point. And I'm sure a lot of people are reaching it right now. Yeah. Like with losing jobs, with not sure if you can pay for a mortgage, with fear of the virus itself, a lot of people are probably having an emotional meltdown and that's totally fine. Very primal state. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen someone having a meltdown run before. You can tell completely different when people are like, they just run differently. Like this is not like you can tell when somebody's like running and they're like a runner and they have like perfect form. And they clearly prepared for this. And then you can tell somebody who is just, like, having a terrible time in their life who's just running and sobbing. Yeah. I've seen it several times before. And it is, like, on the other end, it is, like, a very helpless feeling, like, seeing somebody go through that. Because you're like, oh, my God, like, this is really bad. Right. Like, if you've ever seen somebody in, like, not at all running clothes just running down the street sobbing, like... I've seen it. It definitely happens where you just hit a point and you have to run and you have to just get it out somehow. Um, and celebrities tend to, I think, go with a lot more dramatic things and a lot more drug-based mm-hmm. things. But yeah. since they're so public, these like moments in their life, we're consuming them instead of supporting them. Like Half of this shit, if your friend did it... You would be worried. You'd be helping them get to yeah. a hospital or a therapist. You wouldn't You'd be talking make to memes you. about it. Right. Like... But because they're celebrities and we often don't see them as people. Right. It's like, oh, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It's like, hmm. And I think subconsciously there is that. I don't know if attraction is the right word, but there is that like attraction that we feel when we see people in very like vulnerable primal states where you're just like wow like that's so raw mm-hmm. you know so there's that like you know we can't help but pay attention to it right and at the same time we don't give people there aren't a lot of socially appropriate outlets for it so people tend to hit their breaking point and explode dramatically instead of just mm-hmm. like letting it out a little bit at a time exactly yeah yeah so why don't we talk about some specifics now? Okay. So <laughs> we got some famous meltdowns yeah. here. Um, I mean, number one, Britney Spears. Yeah. 
We've all seen the memes. We remember, and I have to say, Britney Spears, who obviously is a huge fan and is totally listening to it, like, she's crushing it right now. You're doing great, Brittany. <laughs> she's doing great. Like, she's been talking about uh, on Instagram a lot about wealth distribution and has just been, like, paying fans rent and, like, doing shit to help people because she has tons kind. of money and she's like, nobody else does. You need money? Let me know. So, like, Brittany's doing really well. I think yep. she has pulled herself together and I, for one, am very proud of her. She Way to make a turnaround, Brit. You can tell she's somebody who, like, recognized things were not... And also, like... Back in 2007, when all this was happening, I definitely remember being like, what's good? Why would she do that? As an adult, like, the more you read about that situation, like, it goes from it being interesting to, like, looking at her face and how scared she is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, in the famous umbrella picture, like, she's obviously terrified of the paparazzi. And it's like, right, girl, like, they wouldn't let her make a choice, so she shaved her own head. And it's like, yeah, okay, I actually get it, and I think she's doing great, so go for you, Brittany. absolutely. Do you know, like, for the whole Britney Spears situation, um, did she have issues with drugs? You know, I don't know. I don't Um, know either. Yeah, as, as far as I know, no, not as bad. I mean, she probably at least drank, but I don't. I don't know if I heard that much about it. Like, I think I've heard a lot about, like, her just, like, being hounded by the paparazzi and wanting to make different choices and just getting really, like, she just had a breakdown over it. Um, Yeah. But I will say, I mean, again, like, she seems to have pulled it together really well. I don't know if it was drugs or mental illness or stress or whatever. Or just, you know, maybe having some of her development stunted because she was a child star. Like. And I will be talking about child stars for sure. Yay. But, yeah. But, yeah, no, in terms of, like, drugs, um, obviously we have Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had some issues, I believe, with cocaine and with drinking. She was getting a lot of DUIs. Yes, she was. As fu- What is Lindsay Lohan up to right now? Do we know? I think she, like, owns a resort or something. So that's that's kind of exciting. I think she had, like, a show about it at one point. Like, I remember seeing this video of her, like, dancing, and it wasn't the best dancing I've ever seen, um, but she was living her best life, so yeah, that was good. I think that's really interesting to see after celebrities have these moments, which ones still want to be famous and which ones just, like, duck out. It was just like, I'm just kind of done here. Yeah. I mean, Britney obviously went back to famous, and I think she's one of the few that recovered really well from it. Like, her Vegas show right. was really popular, and she's she corrected. She corrected well. Absolutely. What about Charlie Sheen, though? Charlie Sheen. That was very dramatic. Um, yeah. I genuinely have no idea what Charlie Sheen is up to now. I don't know. I mean, obviously he had that show, Two and and a Half Men, is that what it's called? Yeah, but he got kicked off during the whole thing. Oh, he did? He did, yeah. He got kicked off. Um, Yeah. That was an interesting time, I think, in all of our lives. Because it was was so much all the time. Um, I don't know. I hope he's doing okay now. it It seems like whatever was going on, it's calmed down. 
quite a bit. Well, and I feel like some of these, like, more, like, extreme ones tend to be drug-related. Right. I, I would agree with that for sure. So, I mean, that's, like, a whole, like, separate topic. But, yeah, right. like, unfortunately, when you're on drugs, you're not able to make, you know, rational decisions. You spend a lot of money. You do a lot of impulsive stuff. Right. Um, and, and, unfortunately, you're in the public eye. And when you're under really extreme amounts of stress and you're using drugs to cope with it, you don't tend to cope well and you don't tend to act no. rationally because it's the combination of those things. Like, you can definitely tell, even just with alcohol, you've probably had an experience where, you know, you're just going out for, like, a drink, right? Like, nobody's going crazy. You're just going to talk. And right. you had a friend that you've drunk with plenty of times, but that day they're having a really bad day and they're really stressed oh, yeah. out and it's a completely different experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I've definitely had that happen and it's just like where somebody, like, they don't even drink that much, but they're hammered and they're dancing on tables and they're doing all of yeah. these things they wouldn't typically do. And I think it's specifically the combination of of high levels of stress and rage and substance. all of those things and the substances can really yeah. get explosive for a lot of people and if you're like a celebrity who's been under that stress for a really long time and is at their breaking point yeah drug use is just gonna explode with your behavior totally because it lowers your inhibitions and it all comes spilling on out it all comes spilling on out and i mean not all celebrity meltdowns are drug related um i mean some are definitely more mental illness some are more drugs yep. some are trauma some are combinations of all three so it real it really yeah. is interesting to kind of see yeah. how that whole yeah dynamic that whole dynamic like from a psychological perspective is interesting to like see and hopefully figure out what we can do yeah, like, how can we support you or maybe, like, create some boundaries mm -hmm. for celebrities? Because the reality of it is they're people, too, and, you know, we're treating them like zoo animals, basically. Right. All right, so let's get into even more specific. More specific. So. We're each going to talk about one a little bit more in depth, as we typically do on the show. Yep. Um, so for mine... One, I'm going to just kind of tell the story about this person, but two, I wanted to kind of like explore a diagnosis and obviously I can't formally diagnose anybody because this is not my client. Um, I just wanted to bring it up as a discussion point because I think it's uh, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So the celebrity meltdown that I would like to talk about is... John Schnatter, aka Papa John. Papa John. I know this actually this whole thing started because Lauren just really wanted to talk about Papa John. I really did. Um, which was <laughs> funny because I hadn't heard any of this before she told me, so Yep. He's uh he's uh up to a lot right now. He is. Um, so why don't you tell us what Papa John is up to right now? Yep. So essentially, um, Papa John comes from Jeffersonville, Indiana. That's where he grew up. Um, when he was just out of college, his father, Robert Schnatter, 
um, invested in a failing bar called Mix Lounge. And um, essentially what happened is John, Papa John, used some kitchen equipment in a converted broom closet. And with within months in this uh, lounge, he was able to have his own booming pizza business, which eventually grew into the multi-billion dollar company that we all know, Papa, Papa John's, John's Pizza. Papa John's. Um, so essentially where things started to kind of spiral out of control is when he lost his job. So I believe this was in 2017 when this happened, but essentially, um, Papa John's was, um, you know, the pizza for the NFL. So they had a lot of different things going on and they needed to practice how they were going to, you know, respond and, you know, press releases. Um, there is a lot going on with like, um, people kneeling, um, or not kneeling. Yeah, I remember that. So, um, they wanted to, you know, have like a, you know, be PC when they responded to certain things. So anyway, um, they ended up hiring this company and in the company, they would help Papa John's and like the whole corporation with role-playing exercises to do when they're talking to the press. And apparently John, during his role-playing exercise, made a super racist comment. Like, I'm not even gonna, like, repeat it because... Was it about it's... the kneeling? It was about African Americans. Okay, because I wasn't sure if it was, like, directly related to the, like, take a knee. Mm-hmm. I think it was, right? I don't remember. A little a bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. There, there's a connection okay. there, for sure. Perfect. Google um, it. We're not gonna Google say what it he if said, really but curious. if you really need to yeah. know, I'm sure it's out there. Absolutely. But, you know, again, hurtful, unnecessary, unprofessional, um, you know, all of the above, right? So what ended up happening is, you know, those role-playing exercises were, of course, tape-recorded. And it did happen. Um, And so due to that, you know, the corporation of Papa John's Pizza made the decision, like, hey, we can't have you work for us anymore. Um, And it was very bizarre because before they let him go, um, they had released this really weird um, ad. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like traffic-like noise going on in the background. And it's just like a bunch of like text messages and like tweets of like people saying how unhappy they are with um, Papa John's and the fact that like, you know, he's racist and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, oh, you know, essentially we're sorry and we're going to do better. But it was just like a really weird ad. And it wasn't, and it wasn't him owning or apologizing for what happened either. So that was the first like weird thing. Mm -hmm. So essentially what happened after that is he was officially like, let go like you're not a part of this anymore and he had a really difficult time with it Um, I think especially because he was the face of the company you know he is the person that you think of when you think about Papa John's and so what ended up happening is he had an interview with WDRB News Um, and in the video for some reason he is 
abnormally sweaty it's like very uncomfortable to watch Mm -hmm. because he's like melting i do remember seeing that yeah he was i don't i don't know what would account for that level of it was it was an atypical amount of sweating i would say maybe he was really nervous possibly possibly nervous Mm -hmm. possibly using a substance or two i i don't know i know that that can cause sweating i'm not saying he was or wasn't Maybe he has Stimulants one. Do that. Maybe he has one of those sweating disorders. That's a thing too. It could be a medical issue. Could be We're a not going to say what it is, but he was very sweaty, sweaty enough for it to be notable. Yep. Also, just something to note is um, he was wearing a uh, a red shirt, very similar to the Papa John's shirt. Yep. Um, was not a Papa John's shirt. In fact, it said something like Joe Baseball or John Baseball. So again, just bizarre choice. Um, And then in the interview, he stated that he ate 40 pizzas in the past 30 days that he ordered from Papa John's and that it is not the same pizza. That, you know, the quality has diminished. Um, So naturally, the public was very concerned that he ate 40 pizzas in 30 days um that can't be healthy for you no that's so, not good so very weird um and then at the end of the interview he said um his you know now famous quote of that the day of reckoning is coming um which you know is extremely ominous um it's um it's language that's really consistent with certain groups of people that I am not aware that Papa John has any affiliations with. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Some more fundamentalist religious groups. Mm-hmm. Not always mm-hmm. fundamentalist, but it, but it is a more strict conservative fundamentalist religious view that the Day of Reckoning is upon us. Um, so very strange because I wasn't I, I, I guess he could be I, I don't know his religious views at all yeah I'm, I'm not sure either I know he lives in Kentucky um, you know I mean nonetheless a strange thing to bring up in an interview about pizza Right. And, and, you know, typically, I mean, I don't know how anybody else felt about it. Um, And I encourage you all to watch the interview because it is extremely bizarre. Um, If somebody told me that the day of reckoning is coming, I think I would feel threatened. Yeah. I wouldn't know what the hell that meant and what reckoning looks like, (laughs) you know, in his mind. I mean, Um, I... It's certainly a comment that requires more context than what was given. Yes. I think we could definitely agree on that. Um, So yeah, so that was was a super bizarre interview. Um, And then, sadly, after um, the interview, what ended up happening is his wife of, I think, 32 years filed for divorce. Oh, Um, okay. mm Mm-hmm. So, okay, he lost his business. He lost his wife. Um, Not sure what he's doing now. Um, He still is participating in interviews. Um, I didn't get the chance to watch his latest one. There's a podcast called H 
three and three, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had him on there, and it's like an hour long thing. Um, I plan to actually watch it with my brother. I promised I would watch it with him. So nice. <laughs> we got that. Um, but you know, I did look at his Instagram, and he made like this whole thing about the fact that Instagram like won't give him the verified check which mm-hmm. is like a weird thing to be like super concerned about um and he he does this thing where he's like oh if you like write a comment or send a message I will pop a bless you and you know I'm not exactly sure what that is either so all of this to say um I think this behavior from him isn't a meltdown. I think this is something that was kind of... These are behaviors that he's had for a while. I think what is happening, and again, this is just speculation on my part, but I think what's happening is he would fit a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, and I'll kind of get into why in a second. Um, But what I do know about these folks is that typically when you set boundaries with these people or tell these people no, they tend to level up in their extremism, um, in their, you know, just antisocial kind of behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we're seeing here. Um, So when I kind of took a peek in his background, um, it looks like his dad was a judge and his mom was um, in real estate and they also okay. owned the tavern that I was kind of talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about narcissistic personality disorder and how that develops for people, usually that develops um, in kids who have experienced emotional neglect. Now, again, just speculating, it sounds like both of his parents were very busy people and seemed to work a lot. I'm wondering how often you know, parents were home, able to be attuned to them. Um, I also wonder about the whole tavern piece of it because, you know, I know when you work in the that type of industry, it's very easy to develop alcoholism and different addictions just because that's kind of the lifestyle. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like my first sort of red flag is like, okay, okay I wonder what like home like could have been like for this guy. Um you know, he definitely has this kind of grandiose view of himself, um, you know, just kind of making statements like, you know, he was the best there is, um, being so insulted that Instagram won't verify him, um, yeah. saying that he can bless people as if you were like the Pope or something like that. Um, you know, another thing that sticks out for me is that there was no formal apology for the things that he did say and he was recorded saying um also when you kind of do some digging um there's a lot of interviews he has in his house his house literally looks like a museum um it does not it's just so um I mean, the only word I can think of is, like, grandiose. Like, everything is, like, so extra in that house. Uh And, you know, in the research that I found, it said it's Louisville's most expensive house. So Mm -hmm. it's, like, interesting that he, you know, needed to do that. Um, Also, 
I looked into the divorce from his wife. Okay. And it says in a story in Forbes in, from 2018, um, there were interviews with 37 current and former employees that accused Schneider of sexually inappropriate conduct that resulted in at least two confidential settlements. Oh, wow. Not good. No. Um, definitely some boundary issues there. Um, I even, you know, read an article talking about, like, a, sp- a specific person that um, brought charges up. And she said that, like, I guess he used to, like, go to her house and, like, throw rocks at her window, which is, like, very creepy for, like, a grown man to be doing, especially a grown, like, married man who is also your boss. Um, yeah. So... Just certain things like that. So I'm going to go through the DSM criteria for narcissistic personality disorder based on the information I just told you. So, okay. For the DSM, it is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity. Okay, so in fantasy or behavior, um, the need for admiration and lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. So, one is has a grandiose sense of self-importance, for example, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. Um, So, I mean, obviously, that's number one. I would say a thousand percent. There's, you know, he definitely has this very um, grandiose sense of self-importance and really sees himself as somebody who's super talented is the face of this company the company cannot go on without him you know stuff like that um two is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success power brilliance beauty or ideal love um i think he is very preoccupied with the unlimited success and um you know the power of you know people just knowing who he is Mm -hmm. um believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should be associated with other special high status people or situations um so the fact that like you know he's only you know speaking to like certain interview people um just i feel like that fits a lot of his behavior too uh requires excessive admiration i mean you know, I know I keep bringing up, like, the verified check mark on Instagram, but, like, I feel like that's, like, a private example of him just really needing that excessive admiration from the public. Well, and, um, like, you have to be pretty famous to actually get verified. Like, you have to, like, they don't just verify you for no reason. And with all due respect to Pop, like, he's such a minor celebrity. I know. It's like you did pizza commercials. But in his mind, you know, that grandiosity, he thinks, like, oh, everybody knows who I am. Mm -hmm. And you can even kind of see it where, like, in that interview, obviously, like, he can't wear a Papa John's shirt because he didn't work for them anymore. But he wears a shirt so similar so that people recognize him. Mm -hmm. And he needs that admiration and recognition or people to recognize him. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was interesting, too. Um Uh, oh has a sense of entitlement so unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations i would say yes um yeah 
unreasonable. Uh, yeah, I mean, even like, um, even like when we kind of look at like the 37 different cases or allegations of him, you know, sexually harassing people that he's worked with, it's kind of that same sense of entitlement mm-hmm. that he thinks it's reasonable to do that with people that work for yeah him. definitely and then to gonna go with that the next one is is interpersonally exploitative takes advantage of others to achieve his or own needs yep um absolutely <laughs> that's what sexual harassment is people people uh, seven lacks empathy is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others I mean my you know kind of point blank is the fact that like he did get caught saying these super racist comments and he has never given a formal apology owning what he did mm-hmm. and apologizing to you know African Americans um, eight is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her if you listen to any of his interviews um, I think, like, even, like, the one I was talking about where he's saying, you know, the pizza's different now and, you know, it'll never be the same. It's just kind of, like, that weird, um, illogical behavior mm-hmm. of, you know, people are envious of me. You know, this it, they can't be successful without me. And nine, shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Yes. <laughs> so, if you've seen him lately, um, you know his house i mean it looks like a museum um you know has very expensive cars um i feel like he's recently gotten a ton of like plastic surgery as well like it's kind of spooky to look at his face um but yeah so like i mean he meets i would say and obviously like he's not my client i can't officially state that he would meet it but like he hits all of these um so it's it's just interesting because I feel like he most likely has this disorder, um, and I think the problem and why it's kind of coming to surface now is the fact that you know that was a huge hit to his ego, and people with this disorder, you know, if you kind of take a hit to their ego, that's kind of like all they have, yeah. and they tend to become really explosive. Yeah, that makes sense. So, that is my theory on Papa John. Very nice. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My turn? Your turn. Okay. So, I am going to talk about a bit of a bigger one, and I am not going to speculate on a diagnosis here at all. And the reason that I am not is because... Um, the person in question, I'm going to be talking about Amanda Bynes, and she, as of a couple weeks ago, is back in treatment, and her lawyer released a statement asking for the speculation of the conditions in her mental health to stop, so I am going to respect her wish, and we're not going to speculate, we're going to keep it pretty factual to what actually happened, Yep. and things that she herself has said. So, no speculation, it is what it is. So, for those of you, Lauren, I'm assuming that you know who Amanda Bynes is. 
Of course I do. Of course you do, right? Because you, like me, were a 90s baby. So I think a lot of us know. Some people may not. But Amanda Bynes, she began acting professionally at age seven. So she started doing a lot of commercials. She went to, like, a kid's improv class and um, was basically spotted by Nickelodeon. And on Nickelodeon, they... um, trying to trying to get my screen set up here so I can see both like I can see you and there we go um so she was on the show all that for several seasons I don't know about you Mm -hmm. I loved all that I loved I loved it so much and she was on figure it out which I also loved um and then she was on the Amanda show so the Amanda show which I also loved. I was a, I was a Nickelodeon kid, for sure. Me too. Um, Amanda, 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 Amanda show. show. It was great. Um, I really loved the Dancing Lobsters. <laughs> I was like, Same. bring in the Dancing and Judge, Lobsters. Was it Judge Trudy? I think it was Judge Trudy. So yeah. that was a sketch show. She was the star. It was basically like a kid version of the Carol Burnett show, and it was amazing. And so, good. so she got pretty famous very, very young. Like, I can't even imagine starting off a career when I was seven years old. No. Like, you are in the second grade at that point in time. So she's been in the spotlight since she was very, very young. And she moved to movies. She started to go mm-hmm. through. Um, you know, in 2006, she was one of the uh, teen people's 25 under 25. So she was, like, pretty nice. well-known. Lauren, do you have a favorite Amanda Bynes movie? I'm a big fan of She's the Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really liked What a Girl Wants. Okay. That one was a good one, Very, too. very good. I, myself, really love Easy A. It's oh, such yeah. a funny a movie, one. and I think she's great in it. Um, and in 2010, she on Twitter announced an indefinite hiatus from acting after dropping out from several leading roles. So she was scheduled to be in a bunch of movies, and, um, you know, she ended up dropping out of all of the roles and then leaving. And I will go into why in a couple minutes but in 2012 she got her first DUI um, which was dismissed in May of 2013 she was charged with reckless endangerment she was smoking marijuana in her apartment lobby and uh, when they called the cops she ended up throwing a bong out the window of her apartment which I guess was pretty high up so she was charged with reckless endangerment and that case I'm pretty sure was the famous one where she wore a blonde wig to court, which got, like, tons of press for literally no reason. Like, she just wore a wig, people. It's not that important. Um, And then in July of 2013, she lit a small fire in someone's driveway. Oh. And that led to a 72-hour psychiatric hold. That was in L.A. So here we don't do 72-hour holds per se, but in other states they do. Um... And so I wonder if it was recognized as like homicidal intent. Probably, um, or inability to um, keep ensure the safety of self and others. Yeah. Yeah. True. true so, true. Um, at that point, her parents filed for a conservatorship, 
Um, when she was in the hospital in that August, her mother was granted temporary conservatorship over her affairs. So conservatorship is, um, basically means that her, she is not allowed to control her money and a lot of life decisions. So like, they're not her guardians, but they do have final say in like legal matters for her. So like, if she was going to buy a house, they'd have to agree. If she's going to get married, they have to agree. Um, and then in October, 2014 on Twitter. So I think the Twitter stuff is a lot of what people are aware of more so than the other things. She tweeted a bunch of really intense stuff. Um, that was when she tweeted Drake pretty famously. Did you hear about that one, Lauren? Mm-mm. No. She tweeted asking J- Drake, the rapper, to, quote, murder her vagina. Um, oh. Which was pretty famous. Obviously, that sexual harassment of Drake, that, that, that's yep. pretty aggressive. Um, she also accused her father of emotional and sexual abuse in a series of tweets. Mm. Her parents protested the innocence, and she later tweeted that her father had never abused her, but the microchip in her brain, in my brain, made me say those things, but he's the one that ordered them to microchip me. Um, oh. So later, her mother again received conservatorship. She announced that she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and in August 2018 paperwork was filled to file conservatorship until August of 2020. Got it. So that's the thing. Um, She had tweeted about the bipolar diagnosis. She later said um, that it was all drug related. So it could be either based on behavioral things. Um, So she was doing... Uh, from what she said, marijuana, alcohol, and um, some stimulants as well. Okay, she was okay. apparently snorting a ton of ADHD. She'd chew on it because she thought it would get into her system better. And I believe ex- uh, ecstasy and MDMA at one point. Okay. I believe okay. is what she said. So, going back to 2010, uh, actually going back even further. So, she said um, in a 2018 interview with Paper... Um, She said she had been sober for four years, thanks to the help of her parents, and that she, that her behavior, she's like, people have speculated it was really just drugs. So that's what Mm. she's saying. She had previously said she was bipolar, now she's saying it's drugs. I don't know which it is. Psychologically, like, looking at it from a therapeutic standpoint, it could be both, it could be either. It's like drug-induced mania and mania are both mania either way and things like lighting fires in people's driveway and kind of erratic tweets is behavior that would be common in a manic person so it genuinely could be either um right and and also if you're a manic you're more likely to use you know drugs and just be reckless in general right and so She basically, some of the interesting things that she said is that a lot of it was the stress of kind of the fame of everything, of the expectation. But she also talked a lot about body image issues. And so Mm. she said that a lot of it started when she actually saw She's the Man because she hated how she looked as a guy. 
and she went through a pretty intense psychological thing about her appearance at that point. She said the similar thing about Easy A, like that she had to leave the theater because she like thought she looked terrible and her performance was that bad. Um, But she also said that she was on drugs when she watched it so that it could be a different thing. And she specifically said that she feels like marijuana impacts her differently than it does other people that she has a really bad reaction to it she's like that with alcohol and what else i was taking was really destructive for me so you know if you think about it again like the amount of stress plus drugs is never a good combination and actually there was a really interesting cracked article that came out a couple years ago by mara wilson do you know who that is Mm -hmm. No, I don't. So Mara Wilson, she was the little girl in um, Matilda in... Oh, yeah. yeah the little girl, right? And so she was a child celebrity. And she wrote this whole cracked article about why child celebrities are so prone to spiraling out of control. And, like, mm-hmm. she talks a lot about not, like, being treated as a celebrity over a kid. And she's like, even well-meaning parents, when you're in that role, like you're not being protected from things and it's so intense. And so she even talks about when she was seven on the red carpet being asked what she thought about Hugh Grant being arrested for prostitute, for soliciting a prostitute. Like a reporter asked a seven-year-old that. Like they don't treat child actors like children. That's so weird. Um, And so that's kind of Mara Wilson like talks a lot about how the impact of fame as a child is so intense and how it really puts you in a negative path and you're also exposed to a lot of drugs and other things at a really young age and you know think about it like amanda started acting at seven yeah publicly commercials and all of that and if you i mean Mm -hmm. i think we all go through a phase where we're deeply self-conscious and like if that phase is memorialized on film I think it does a lot to you. And at the same time, looking at, you know, a a lot of this, right, is drug-related. And so she, um, at the time of the paper article, she specifically said she was four years sober. um, And then this past year, she kind of just came back onto Instagram this past year. I saw that. um, And she said, that she announced her engagement she announced her pregnancy both of those posts have been deleted so i i'm i'm not going to speculate they were there they're gone um okay Okay. she may or may not be with her fiance anymore a lot of it's very unclear and i i don't know i don't know what's going on i also noticed um just kind of the weird uh heart tattoo that she has right she has gotten some facial tattoos um but one of the posts that she put on instagram recently was celebrating being 14 months sober so obviously she has relapsed since in 2018 she was four years sober in 2020 she's 14 months sober so and that was pretty recent so it does look like she had a relapse which is common with drug addictions right like a lot of people relapse after they get clean so, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on with what's in her now. I don't think it's that uncommon for people to post stuff and then delete it on Instagram. Who knows what's actually happening there? It's her business, not ours. But right. 
you know, like, there's a lot of gossip magazines that are saying that, like, she's in all of these different things. Um, but the one thing I did see was a statement from her lawyer specifically saying that she is in treatment right now. Um, okay. And this was on NBC News. This was March 18th. So this is pretty recent that she's seeking treatment for ongoing mental health issues. Um, and that's and that um, he said uh, her attorney David Escuia said Wednesday that her decision to seek treatment was related to mental health troubles um, saying reports that she was suffering from drug or alcohol addiction issues is completely false they're asking for privacy during this time and any speculation about her personal life from the public and the media to see so that Amanda can focus on getting better so again I mean, it could be a lot of things, but I think the, right. you know, and we're, we're not going to get too much. I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know her. I'm not like her friend, so I have no idea. I know. You're not? No. I mean, she's post stuff and she's deleted it. That's, I mean, we're not, who knows why she did that? Like, there's, you know, nothing right. really big on it. But, you know, the amount of stress that it puts you under to get that famous that young. Like, she didn't get to have a childhood. She didn't get to have, like, her teen years and all of the awkward pictures of her deleted off of her Instagram forever. Like, yeah. you know, like, she missed out on a lot of that. And I think especially with child celebrities, like, of course they can't handle it. Like, right. with all that stress that she was under you know it's not surprising that it's turned into an ongoing issue and I really I'm glad to hear that she's in treatment and I hope that it goes well and she's able to work through whatever it is and just have a happy life whatever that looks like for her um because right. ultimately celebrities are people and I think we don't always see them that way yeah and I think too with like Amanda Vines like especially I feel like because a lot of us you know grew up watching her and you know because of just like who she was as an actress and you know whatever like I think a lot of us felt that she was like super relatable mm -hmm. so I think that's part of the reason why you know the public has like such an obsession with her because it was like oh she seemed so quote-unquote normal mm -hmm. and she seemed so average and relatable like very like girl next door sort of a thing and what she's going through right now is so different than what was like portrayed on the tv and if you kind of grow up with that like i could see how that would be confusing for people right and even like one of the things she said in the paper article like why she left some of the films back in 2010 is she was even talking about like chewing on Adderall in her trailer and not being able to remember any of her lines and going out and seeing herself on the monitors and thinking how terrible she looked and just like having meltdowns about it and I mean yeah. if you can think of like how self-conscious you've been at different parts of your life and imagine going through that publicly that's so much pressure and I think you're right like I remember growing up and like really looking up to her and being yeah. like oh yeah. she would we would totally be friends in real life right like, like she's so she's, cool and funny and... she's so funny and she's so cool and she seems like such a nice person and it's really yeah. sad to see 
because I mean, there's there there are like some of the meltdowns where it's like, oh, it's Papa John or it's Joe Exotic, and they are obviously mm-hmm. not good people. Not right? relatable. They're not relatable. <laughs> They're very narcissistic. But then it's like there's also other celebrities that have gone through it and even like Justin Bieber got famous really young and he went through some stuff and like I was never a big fan I think I was too old to be a believer really but like he doesn't especially looking at him when he was younger he didn't seem like a bad person right there's something about the stress of being famous that young that I think is very hard to cope with and it's not surprising that so many child celebrities end up going through pretty long-term psychological difficulty whether it be with drugs or pre-existing mental health conditions or whatever it's just so much pressure during such a vulnerable part of your life and I just don't know how you go back to regular life after that agreed all right well good job with the Amanda Bynes thank you um do you have any good shit for this week I have a few things uh number one good shit for the podcast is that for those of you who have not seen we have a sponsor we do. so i'm just gonna tell you a little bit about our sponsor right now because uh we're just throwing it out there i understand people are uh having some financial difficulty right now completely understand no pressure whatsoever but if you're doing financially okay and you are stuck at home and looking for some self-care we are sponsored by therabox Therabox is a therapist-designed self-care subscription box. It's something I personally get that I like it a lot. Um, I will say a lot of these self-care products, they're very much like skincare, hair care. There is some makeup and nail polish on occasion. I will just be very apparent about that and upfront. But in every box, along with some self-care items, they do actually have a therapist-designed self-care gratitude happiness activity, um, and they're really solid. I've actually used them with clients before, so this is something I use at work, um, but it's a product that I really, really like, and we don't want to take sponsors we don't believe in. We don't want to just like sponsor right. for everyone, but a sponsor is a good way to help support the podcast and just support us as people right now quite frankly um, and help us be able to keep doing this for you so we have an affiliate link it's just a referral sponsorship I will put the affiliate link in the episode description check them out make sure you use that link if you're going to buy anything if you use that link then buy anything Lauren and I get 10% to us just to help us with all of this and recording equipment and time and all that Um, And in addition to the subscription box, which is like $40 a month with shipping, um, they also just have their happiness store where you can just buy one of self-care items, both like skincare, hair care. You can buy some of the self-care activities and it's really cool stuff. I love it. I think it's really great. Um, So yeah, check it out. Use our link. That would be really, really nice of you. We also have a Patreon if you feel like being patrons of us. And again, help. It really does help. It really does. Especially during this time. Yeah, it really does help, especially during this time. I know we recently got a few more patrons, and I think that actually brings us up to no longer going into debt to do this every month. So thank you. You're helping support us for even just hosting this podcast, recording it. Um, so that's really great. Thank you guys so much. Um, you're the best. 
that's one good shit. You guys are amazing. Um, Another one is that John Krasinski has started a news show from his home uh, called the Good News Network, and all he does is share positive news, um, and it's really cute. He's got, like, signs his daughter's designed and, like, does it like a real news show. She's, like, tilting around in his chair. It's really funny. I like it a lot. Oh. So if you feel like the news is overwhelming and you want to focus on good stuff, I would recommend checking out his YouTube channel, The Good News Network. I like that. I like that. Yeah. What do you got? I would say good shit. Um, I really liked how um at like the local like zoos and stuff they're letting the animals kind of like roam around and like meet other animals for the first time like i saw this one where they were letting like the penguins i think at the shed yeah walk around and they got to see um belugas for the first time and they loved each other they did another good one is just look up videos of penguins going down the stairs it'll help it's adorable it'll help yeah. yeah, so I love that. I was like, that's so cute. They get to meet each other. They never would have otherwise. Yeah. So that melted my heart. So go look up animal videos in general. I think that helps a lot. Definitely. And please give us a five-star rating. Subscribe yes. to wherever you're listening. Like our Facebook yes. page. Like our Instagrams. Communicate with us as necessary. Tell us you like us. <laughs> please. Um, and we like you guys too. We do. We do. You're all wonderful and spooky, and we appreciate you coming to get spooky with us today. Yeah, so thank you so much for getting spooky. Thank, thank you. Thank you.